And again, what a song to open up um, and get us into God's Word. So we're going to turn and jump right in. Uh, Open up to Matthew 13. We will be reading from uh, the first nine verses and then down around verse 18 in just a little bit. Um, Jesus showed up 2,000 years ago um, and is famous for a lot of things. Um, We all know him. Maybe we have a famous, a favorite story, a favorite miracle. There were so many, right? Um, You have a favorite uh, memory of what God has done in your life, maybe. Uh, But he showed up and did many, many things, um, and he spoke many, many words. Uh, Of course, he's most famous for his death on the cross, um, his resurrection from the grave. Uh, These events didn't just change history, but they change us, right? Uh, They change our universe. They change the makeup of our universe. They they end the fact that death has this chokehold on creation, right? It broke that chain. It gave us all eternal life. Um, But it didn't just change the universe. It changed our own makeup. Um, It offers us a brand new way of life. uh, And and it's simple. Um, What is required to experience this new way? Uh, Jesus had that famous invitation that he gave over and over again to people that he met, religious, non-religious, good or bad. Uh, He simply said to them, follow me. They would say, where are you going, Jesus? He said, hey, we're going everywhere. We're going to go up and down, left and right, through many different places in this world because that's where I am. I'm everywhere and I'm with everyone. And I want you to follow me because I have a plan for your life. And this is something that I hope all of you know and I hope all of you are comforted by. And if you're watching or if you're not a a Jesus follower, if you're not a believer, uh, I hope all of you know that, that God has a plan for you. He has such a plan for you that he came to earth to show you his plan, to demonstrate his devotion to you, to show you that he has a place for you in his kingdom and his family and he's invited every one of us to follow him now following of course does require commitment it does require devotion but jesus has already proved his own commitment he proved his devotion to us in his death uh, in his persistent engagement and mission in our world right there's no question if he is devoted to us though the world has not always been devoted to him and drifts away from him his heart remains enlarged toward us And he continues to invite us to know him and follow him. Following Jesus will take us down many different pathways. Uh, Most of them uh, are wonderful. And if you're a Jesus follower, you know this, um, that many times as a follower of Christ, I stop and I think from time to time, God is so good. And I mean, not just is he so good, but he's so good to me, right? And I'm sure you've been there. There are times this past week, just looking at all the beautiful things that God has made in the world that we get to experience, just being a part of this life that he's given us. Um, But many different times I find myself thinking, God, you're too good. Your blessings are so good, too good for somebody like me. There are plenty of times as a Jesus follower where you will think, I can't begin to list all the ways that God has shown me favor and increased my fortune. One of my favorite verses of Scripture that just really captures um, my heart on a day-to-day basis is Psalm 16, where David says, The Lord is my chosen portion. He is my cup. You hold my lot. The lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. Indeed, I have a beautiful inheritance. And nine times out of ten, that is my praise. That is my thought. That is my heart as a follower of the Lord. He is so good and he has given me such so many blessings and truly the lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. There's no, there's no other cup I'd rather drink from than the one that he has for me. There are days when we receive things we didn't see coming. There are days when God answers prayers that you prayed for years. There are days when God heals, when God moves And if you're a believer, if you're a Jesus follower, you know this, there's no better way to live. 
I mean, it's true. We say this a lot. Jesus makes our life better, and he makes us better at life, right? He doesn't just make life better, but he makes us better at the life he's called us to live. And, and come on, when Christianity is portrayed like this, why wouldn't you want to follow Jesus? Who wouldn't want to follow Jesus? And mind you, I'm not about to, what I'm about to say does not take away from this or make this any less true. While being a Jesus follower will take us down some good paths that otherwise might have been missed, following Jesus brings blessings to otherwise dull paths. Following Jesus doesn't and won't always detour us from the challenging and difficult paths. And that doesn't take away from what I just said. That doesn't mean that life isn't better with Jesus. But the reality is that following Jesus doesn't always mean it's going to be easy or it's going to be delightful. Jesus, as he leads, does not avoid the tough paths, but he rather leads us down them. The alternative, of course, is to go down those paths alone without Jesus. But Jesus doesn't just go with us, but he guides us down those difficult paths. So I say all this to to tell you that being a Jesus follower won't just take us down good paths, though there are plenty of good ones, more than bad. Being a Jesus follower will take us down some difficult, some distracting some challenging, some overwhelming paths, but Jesus guides us down those difficult paths for the same reason He came to find you. He wants to redeem those paths and leave footprints along the way so that many others might realize that God has been here and that He is leading them as He has led us. But here's the thing. I know that when you know, preachers like me say, hey, you should be a model and God wants you to leave your footprints right so Jesus and yours can be synchronized and everybody else can see and follow them. Listen, I, 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 as much as you might already be ready to be a model in more ways than one, right? I'm not much of a model, right? Physically or spiritually, um, especially not physically. I, I'm not much of a model. In fact, um, I'm still a work in progress when it comes to my spiritual walk. Uh, and it's easy for me to lose sight of this and not realize this, right? I don't wake up every day thinking, wow, I've got to make sure I keep in step with Jesus because somebody might need to follow me as I follow him, right? That's not always my heart. Some days I get discouraged and some days I lose sight, especially as I go down those difficult paths. And if we're not careful, we may be distracted from what God is doing. We may be overcome by hardships. We may be overwhelmed by the worries of this life. And I don't say this to dampen or discourage anybody, but just to simply point out the realities of this life to highlight that Jesus can make a difference for us as we go down those paths. He can change our outlook just like He can change our makeup from the inside out. He leads us in a new and better way. But the thing is, we need not give up or get discouraged when life goes and does take us down those difficult paths. But we need to maximize and take advantage of being a Jesus follower. We need to make the most of following the best because the alternative is going down those same paths without any light or any way or any guide, but we can make the most of following the best. We can make the best because we follow the greatest. We're not alone on those paths. Jesus is with us. Jesus is leading us. And here's the thing. Jesus so anchored what it means to be saved and in a relationship with God around this idea of following and walking along paths He told a very famous parable to a very captive audience on on one occasion. We know that he often taught in parables. Um, Parables were like fables, metaphors that helped bring analogies and bring clarity to God's truth to make it more practical and make it more understandable. Now, Matthew 13 is a chapter full of parables. 
Um, Today, and for the next couple of weeks, we're going to focus our attention on the first and most renowned of the parables that Jesus tells in all of the Gospels. I'm sure your Bibles have a heading over Matthew 13, similar to mine. My Bible says this is the parable of the sower, right? Now, we often, uh, the title is misleading because this parable isn't just about the sower, it's about you and me. So as we read it, let's try to find out where God is in the parable and where we are. And we might realize we're in more places than one. Matthew 13, God's Word says, On the same day that Jesus went out of the house and sat by the sea, a great multitude was gathered together to him so that he got into a boat and sat. And the whole multitude stood on the shore. Then he spoke many things, then he spoke many things in parable, saying, Behold, a sower went out to sow. And as he sowed, some seed fell by the wayside or along the path, and the birds came and devoured them. Some fell on stony places where they did not have much earth, and they immediately sprang up because they had no depth in the earth. When the sun was up, they were scorched, and because they had no root, they withered away. And some fell among thorns, and the thorns sprang up and choked them. But others fell on or into good ground and yielded a crop, some a hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty. He who has ears to hear... Or she who has ears to hear, let them hear. When Jesus says that, and he does not say it much, but when he does, it's our attention to perk our ears up because this may be some of the most important truth we ever hear. Now right off the bat, we can find that God is the sower. Can we all agree on that? That God is the sower who is sowing his seed. And Mark tells us, and I want to show you this verse because it makes it very clear, and Mark wanted to make sure that we got all this. Mark tells us in this same parable, the sower sows the word. So the seed is the word. So the sower is God, the seed is the word. But where are we? Now, notice that he depicts four different environments. There's a pathway, uh, think of it as a highway or a sidewalk. There's um, a a, a patch of ground that has thorns on it. There's a patch of ground that is full of rocks or gravel, maybe a gravel road. Um, And then there is a good fertile soil. Think of a garden or somewhere where you would plant, right? So we have four different environments, four different pathways, four different places. And, And in short, this is a portrayal of how God is seeking to plant his seed, apply his truth, his word, to all of us as we may find ourselves along and in life's various pathways and in various foundations. And in this parable, we see how in those various settings, how the seed is likely to be received and how we are likely to respond to the seed. Now, notice only one of these settings is ideal. There's only one that is ideal where the, the, the seed goes into the ground, but there are three other settings that are excruciating and less ideal or less than ideal environments. Yet they are still pathways and they are still places that we are going to nonetheless find ourselves throughout this life. I want to make it very clear. Those three, the first three pathways and the first three places are not places that we can avoid. They are places that we are going to find ourselves throughout this life. And we need to understand and be prepared for those situations. That we might not miss what God is doing in those settings. Here's the thing. I don't think Jesus is saying that only one quarter of people are likely to respond. I don't think he's saying that unless you're in a controlled, perfect environment, you're not going to be able to receive Jesus or you're not going to be able to respond to Jesus. I think he's making a very specific point. 
unless we have ears to hear when we're under God's word, here's very, very important, unless when we have ears to hear, unless when we are under God's word, when the ball is in our court, in those quiet times that we have to start each day, to end each day, in gatherings like this, no matter what is going on, as we find opportunities to pray and read and focus, we must have ears to hear because there are some situations in life and there are some environments in life where we are not going to be so susceptible and so prone to hear what God is saying. We've got to be prepared for when we do find ourselves in those places. See, here's what I've learned. Life is too unpredictable. Too uncertain to begin a day or end a day without allowing myself to come under God's word and God's voice. Life is too fragile and too eclectic to begin a week anywhere but God's house with God's people. Life is too noisy and too dizzying to plug myself into any other source than that which lifts Jesus up and tunes my heart to see him, glorify him, and worship him. You know, all of this is true, but the world doesn't, right? They are, there are so many who don't have the grounded, squared away, centered mentality that Christians should have. And if we don't model this, and if we don't exemplify this, there's no hope for those that God puts in our path along the way. And God takes us down these other paths into these other scenes so that we might show the world that they can take root, they can find security, that will buoy us as we arrive in those unstable situations. Unless we receive the word when we are in a situation like this, before and at the end of each day, throughout each day, unless we respond when God is moving and when God is speaking, we will not be prepared for the more difficult circumstances that we will no doubt find ourselves in. If you're not a Jesus follower, if you're just a casual observer, or if you're someone that is really interested in finding hope today, my hope is that you would have an ear to hear as God begins to show you that you can find your footing, you can find your security and your foundation in the frenzy of life right now. No matter what's distracting you, threatening you, challenging you, no matter what's discouraging you or overwhelming you, you can turn to Jesus because Jesus is coming towards you and will be alongside all of us. So whether you're a Jesus follower who's just looking for a weekly refresh, one that's gone astray, one that's been knocked down, or if you're someone who's been a fan of Jesus, curious of Jesus on the outside, the invitation is universal. The scope and scope and the and unconditional in what it offers, God's grace to bring healing and God's truth to lead. So what I want to do over the next three weeks is to give time, is to take time, and give our ears to hear on this specific subject so that we can receive God's word and be prepared for the world that God has put us in. Now, we've already teased this out, but this parable spotlights three hang-ups that we are all bound to face, three situations that we're going to find ourselves in, maybe one more than the other, maybe all three, hopefully not all at once. What I want to do is break these down so that, and see how we can avoid missing God when we're on these difficult, challenging paths. And it's my prayer by the end of all this that we might learn and possess an understanding and enduring and a trusting spirit because we're going to need all these to make it through life. Now, the aim today is to leave here with an understanding spirit. And we'll get to the other two in the next couple of weeks. The first one that Jesus mentions is less deep than the other two, so we can cover it rather quickly. And while it's less deep, it's more general and it's more encompassing and relevant so that we can, uh, I think, find help from it today. If you look down at verse 18, Jesus explains this parable for us. 
So that's helpful, right, when he interprets his own word. And while we've already touched on the basics, Jesus interprets these difficult pathways and scenarios for us and helps us realize, um, yes, indeed, we've all been in these different environments and we're all bound to face them yet again. But look at verse 18. Therefore, hear the parable of the sower. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, underline that, does not understand it, then the wicked one comes and snatches away what was sown in his heart. This is he who received the seed by the wayside. So this first part of the parable, he deals with someone that's walking along an otherwise clear, an otherwise easy, an otherwise uh, uh, comfortable pathway. A pathway that's got a lot of things you can see, a lot of things on the horizon, maybe a sidewalk downtown, a place where the environment is otherwise controlled, yet there are some birds in the air. We'll get to that. Jesus tells us that it's very likely as we're on life's everyday path, general day-to-day avenues, that we, we might become distracted from God's mission. And we are at risk of missing out on God's activity. And think about this. There are always birds above and along every path, aren't there? Right? No matter where you're at, different kind of birds, but there's always birds. Every pathway you take, there's always a bird in the air. Now, we've got, uh, this past week at the beach, we got visited by a flock of seagulls, right? Because they saw one breadcrumb, and they brought the whole calvary in to see if they could find a whole loaf, but they didn't. Thankfully, they left us alone. But no matter where you go or what path you're on, if you look around, there's some kind of bird in the air. Now, here's the thing. We have this subcategory for birds that swoop down and pick up things, don't we? We call them birds of prey. Now, here's the thing. We usually refer to birds of prey as the ones that pick up live things, right? But listen, don't believe what, well, you should listen to science, but don't believe what the internet tells you on this. Every bird is a bird of prey. They might not be praying for you, but they're praying for somebody, and I mean the E, not the A. They are all birds, because listen, Jesus says in this parable, there are birds along every path that are just itching to pick up the seed that God laid down for you. Now, the seagulls didn't come 100 yards from the water because they were looking for fish, right? They were looking for bread. That wasn't alive, but it was alive to them, and it tastes good to them. And woe if you interfere with a bird that has its eyes set on something. Now, listen, whether it's a pigeon that swoops down to get a worm, whether it's a hawk that's going to pick up a live rabbit, whether it's a vulture that's on the road, right, eating something that got ran over, birds have one motive when they're hovering over the ground. It's find something to eat. All of these are vicious. Not just the, the vulture or the hawk. That pigeon, it will, tear, it will tear you up if you get in its way. Uh, I'm not scaring you. But the woman on Home Alone taught us that, right? It, that, shoot. Get away from the pigeon. They're just as, just as dangerous as the vulture and just as dangerous as the hawk, right? Here's what Jesus is saying about these everyday pathways that we go down. God has a seed for us every day. That's his word. For every opportunity and every obstacle we face, we need to take time to let that seed take root and bud and flower so that we understand what he's intending, that what he's saying to us at the given moment. Because if we don't, there are always birds overhead that will take God's seed, that will take God's word that we have for that moment, for that day, for that situation, and leave us empty. Now, I tried to write this in the most King James biblical fashion as I could. Take heed, lest God's seed becomes bird feed. Now, that doesn't have a verse number behind it, but maybe it should. Take heed, lest God's seed 
becomes bird feed. Now, now, I know I say this a lot, but we do have an enemy in this life. It's terrifying, isn't it? Come on. That's not the enemy. That was just to make everybody laugh. <sighs> Tough crowd. We do have an enemy, right? We have an enemy, not just Jesus' followers, but humanity has an enemy. John 10 says the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. We have an enemy. Jesus calls him the evil one, the devil, Satan. This is true in Jesus' day. It's true now, and it will be true until redemption comes in full. The evil one hovers and swarms over us every day to snatch away God's Word and to remove us from God's plan and from God's way. But there's a way to overcome this, a way to prevent this. Notice in verse 19, this whole thing is set up by saying, the one who does not understand it becomes vulnerable to this enemy, to the evil one. God sows the seed for those along the open air path, but in this instant, what makes us vulnerable, what makes us a target, is that we haven't understood what God has given us. Now hear this very clearly. The word understand isn't sliding one's intelligence or ability to learn something. We use it that way, don't we? Where I didn't understand it, maybe I'm just not smart enough. This is not about how intelligent we are or how, we are, how quick we are to pick up on something. The word understand here comes from a little Greek word that is literally the word sink. Now you know the word sync because we know words like synchronize or synthesize or synergy. Sync means to link up, to connect, to get on the same page. It's like getting a product that comes in two pieces and that have clear and easy instructions that they fit together. So when Jesus says we fail to understand, he's saying that we fail to put together the two pieces, God's word for our lives and our lives for God's will. That's the two pieces every day for you to understand. God has a word for your life. Your life has a purpose for God's will. And if we fail to put those two pieces together, we are vulnerable. Our lives separate from God's will because we don't receive God's word. This may vary from day to day depending on what season you're in, but in some situations where it doesn't change, it just builds on what was there before for your families, for your relationships, for your goals. And I want to show you how to make this uh, as easy to understand as possible. The word understand literally means to come under. To place yourself under. Think about this. It's like sitting under a teacher in a classroom. Sitting under somebody's voice. Learning under somebody's wisdom. Here's, I think, a short way to capture what we're talking about. To understand something, we must first firmly stand under something. Is that simple enough? To understand something, we must first firmly put ourselves under that something. It's no different for Jesus. We sit under Him. We, take, uh, we come under His banner, under His voice. And if we don't come under His Word, there are plenty of other things that will overshadow us and loom over us, portrayed by these birds hovering over this path. Does that make sense? Do you see how these two things work together? Every day, every day the evil one stands over us in hopes that we won't understand what God is doing so he can take God's seed and make it bird feed. 
in hopes that we might not be prepared or haven't put together what God has been trying to say to us. And we will be vulnerable to have that snatched away and ultimately we will drift away from God's will and from God's plan. His goal is that we would come under His grip and not under God's grace. This is a battle we face every day. There's no one-time single victory over this. It's a daily walk we take and a battle we will face. But you are able, and with God's help, you are able to endure and overcome this battle. But get this, God's Word comes to us daily. His mercies are new every day. His intent and desire to guide us and walk with us is renewed every morning. Isaiah says the Word comes from heaven for us to give strength and purpose and guide us. And as followers of Jesus, we need to make a conscious decision every day to place ourselves under God's Word. As He calls to us, we've got to be like Samuel when he was a little boy and say, Speak, your child, your servant is listening. Because, because otherwise we will find ourselves plugging into, syncing up with the wrong voices and we will head down the wrong path. For many of us, it comes down to this very simple reality. We are often distracted, aren't we? I mean, there's just a lot of birds in the air. It's easy to get distracted. And that's the enemy's goal. And see, what I mean by this is that, yes, we are Jesus followers, but we are often distracted Jesus followers. As we follow Jesus, but we're distracted by so many things. And we aren't intentionally distracted, are we? We aren't maliciously distracted. It's just so natural, isn't it, to look this way or that way. And while we may not want to admit this, isn't this true? As Jesus followers, we are often far more distracted than we are devoted. Hmm. And again, we don't mean for it. It just happens, doesn't it? Maybe it's those birds overhead. What seems desirable will eventually prove to be deceitful, though. And here's what a, war a warning that you must understand. Distractions are often and usually a dressed-up vessel of deception. And while distractions seem harmless, deception gets a little bit more overbearing. We must protect ourselves and guard ourselves from plugging into the wrong sources, consuming the wrong guidance, taking the wrong inspiration, because what we listen to will affect what we do. What we consume will eventually consume us, and the things that we take in will eventually take over. Of course, if we're not distracted, we won't be deceived. And if we're listening to and consume and take God's Word, then we will be filled with and empowered by God's Word. But I know what you're thinking. How can I avoid being distracted? Because it's so easy to be distracted, isn't it? I don't mean to make anybody feel condemned. Listen, I feel shame talking about this because I get distracted and that leads to usually me being deceived. I know that I follow after lesser things. I read God's Word. I pray. I worship. But those things don't prevent me from being tempted. Right? And I'm, maybe it's the same for you. As intentional as I am about seeking the Lord, distraction is so present, isn't it? And I'm deceived so often, aren't you? So how can we? How can we remain under God and not be distracted by the evil one? How can we gain understanding of God's will and not lose our focus to the evil one? Now I want to wrap this up with a word from Jesus' number one follower. And you all know who he is. But this guy wasn't just his number one follower. He also was his number one distracted follower, and that's Peter. 
Because yeah, Peter is known for all the good things he said and the bold things he did, but he's also known for some blunders, isn't he? Peter's the one that ran the kids off because he didn't think Jesus wanted to be bothered by the kids, right? He's the one that fell asleep on the Transfiguration Mount when God was showing him the glory of Jesus. He's the one that sank when he should have been walking on water, right? Peter was a devoted follower, but he was also very distracted. So he's just like us, right? The night before Jesus died, Jesus warned Peter of how vulnerable his heart was and how much guard he needed to take. Here's what Jesus says. Simon, Simon. Satan demanded to have you that he might sift you like wheat. But I have prayed for you that your faith may not fail and that when you come back, you would strengthen your brethren. He goes on. Peter said, Lord, I am ready to go with you in both the prison and the death. He says, oh, not so, Lord. I will never let you down. And Jesus says, you're not just going to let me down, Peter. You're going to let me down three times. You're going to deny me in the most crucial moment of my life. Peter boasted when he should have been humbling. He would go on to sleep when he should have been praying. He would go on to fight when he should have been trusting. He never slowed down to realize that God was trying to help him. He pushed forward and he found himself in the fire of temptation. And he denied any knowledge of Jesus. So this makes Peter's words on the subject even more valuable, doesn't it? He would indeed go on to strengthen his brothers as Jesus said he should. So here's what Peter says. Here's how Peter says we can remain under God and not be distracted. It's real simple. Peter says, God opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God so that at the proper time he may exalt you. Be sober-minded, be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. Resist him. Be firm in your faith. So no joke, those birds are not, or the birds are indeed vicious. Peter says they're actually like lions. Peter says that we must be humble and submit ourselves to God. Because there is an enemy who is prowling around us and over us every day. And we must resist him. And the only way to resist him is to come under the protection of your, from your father under his mighty hand. Yes, the enemy is prowling, but here's the thing. He wants you. Jesus said he demands to have you. But the enemy hates Jesus. And he has to flee from the presence of Jesus. And when he sees the hand of God around a child of God, he knows there's no chance of him getting through. But when you and I walk out as if we are strong enough in ourselves, if we walk out acting like we don't need the mighty hand of God over us, we are no match for the enemy. But if you're with Jesus, you're right where you need to be. The enemy can prowl around us, but he can't sit down with us if we're under God, if we're in Christ. He can prowl, but he can't sit down. So how can we avoid distraction? How can we escape deception? How can we gain understanding? It's very simple. Peter told us, 
Humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God. God's hand is His source of power that will exalt us when the moment is so crucial. In every moment, every step matters. Every footprint we lead matters. Giving us the ability to withstand temptation, pressing forward on the path so that when distraction lures and deception looms, we can be safe under the mighty hand of God. And the enemy will flee. And Jesus will lead. So what is the secret to not being distracted as we go down life's everyday paths? It's humbling ourselves under the mighty hand of God. It's saying like Moses said to God, God, we aren't taking one step unless your hand is over us. We're not going to go out because I know what we'll do. We'll be distracted by all the bright things, all the shiny things, all the things on this side and that side. God, we aren't going unless your hand is over us. And what if we had that same determination? Humble yourselves. There is in all of us a little bit of pride that says, I'll just do it on my own. That doesn't pick up what God has laid down and suddenly the enemy takes that away. And we will let ourselves down and everyone else. I would like for you to repeat these next few statements after me. I think these help carry what I believe all of us want and what all of us can claim as Jesus followers today. I'll read them once and you can follow with me. Distractions may lure, deceptions may loom, but I am safe and secure. I am in tune. Say that with me. Distractions may lure, deceptions may loom, but I am secure and I am in tune. Under God's power and by God's word, my faith won't be snatched away by any prowling bird. Under God's power and by God's word, my faith won't be snatched away by any prowling bird. The evil one must flee because Jesus is leading me. The evil one must flee because Jesus is leading me. Now that can be more than a confession for you today. You can possess that and obtain this hope by faith. Maybe today you want to come forward and humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God. I don't know what you're struggling with. I don't know what you're distracted by, but God does. And maybe you haven't understood because you haven't stood under. And maybe today you want to stand under. You want to rest under. You want to bow under that mighty hand. Maybe you want to join with your brother and sister in declaring that you aren't going to be any, you aren't going to be vulnerable anymore. You're going to place yourselves under God's hand and seek His truth. Maybe you need to ask Jesus to save you because you've stumbled along and off the path a few times, haven't you? And you've been deceived for too long. Maybe you need to renew your faith or be refreshed by His guidance today. The altar is open. God bids you to come. So as we sing this last song, would you respond? Would you come? Let me pray for you. Father, I love you. Thank you so much for this invitation. Thank you for this opportunity to say goodbye to distractions, to say goodbye to deception, and come and rest under the mighty and powerful hand of our Father. Lord, everybody gets distracted. We don't mean to. We don't intend to. But it happens, doesn't it? And God, you don't condemn us. You haven't shamed us. 
you've showed us what is the cause of that distraction. And it's when we don't receive your word and don't take that word to our hearts and we allow the enemy to take it away. Father, as this altar is open, if anybody needs to come forward and submit themselves to you, humble themselves to you in a public way, I pray you would invite them, you would meet them, and you would empower them. As they rest under your mighty hand, may they know and trust that you will exalt them in due time. We ask all of this in Jesus' name. Amen.